Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 7th, and our passage for today is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Now, Luke is a prolific writer, and many of his chapters are very long. Luke is a man who put a lot of material into a single chapter. So some of the longest chapters in the New Testament are in the Gospel of Luke. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because there's no way in just a short podcast that I do each day that I can cover all of the material in the chapters. That will certainly be so today because we have the introduction of the book of Luke. Luke introduces who he's writing to and what is going on, why he's doing it. Then he deals with the angel Gabriel coming to Zechariah the father of John the Baptist, and on and on. And then uh, the appearance of uh, the angel Gabriel to Mary in Nazareth, then the getting together of Mary and Elizabeth, and then the birth of John the Baptist. All of that is in chapter 1. And so let's learn just a little bit about Luke because we're going to spend some time with him over the next couple of weeks. Now, Luke was a physician. He was the personal physician of the Apostle Paul. They evidently met at the ancient city of Troy called Troas in the Bible, which is in western Turkey, modern-day western Turkey. And he was his personal physician for the rest of Paul's ministry. And uh, Luke wrote the book of Luke, what we call the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts, which is a sequel to the book of Luke. And I personally believe he was the amanuensis, the secretary of the Apostle Paul, who wrote down the actual writer of the book of Hebrews, even though I do believe it is Paul's uh, theology, Paul's manuscript. But I believe Luke is the one that wrote it down, and God gave him the ability to do that. And one of the reasons for that is the writing style of Luke comes out in the book of Hebrews. And there's a lot of evidences for that that I don't want to go into here. But if you want a good read on this, pick up David Allen's commentary, Dr. David Allen, on the Gospel of Luke. I believe it would probably be in the New American Commentary series, but he does a tremendous job in putting forth the evidences, I believe, for Luke being the author of the book of Hebrews. And so in Luke chapter one, we are introduced to the person to whom Paul was writing. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered unto us. Luke says, I am not an eyewitness. I was not an eyewitness of the life of Jesus, but I have pulled together material from those who were eyewitnesses, what they've written, what they gave testimony to, and I have sought to write that down in a way 
way that was uh, readable. He said, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all these things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. Now, the word Theophilus, Theos is the word for God. Uh, phileo is the word for love, as in the sense of phileo kind of love. And so the two together mean uh, a lover of God. And oftentimes people will say, well, this is just a general letter written to everyone. I do not believe that. I believe Theophilus was a real person that just had a name because almost all of the Greek names and almost all of the Hebrew names have meanings. And uh, many times they are relative to a prophecy on that person's life. The Jewish families would name their children based upon something they would do. This is the way Jesus was named. Remember, it was the angel who told Joseph, he said, you shall call his name Yeshua because he'll save his people from their sins. The word Yeshua means salvation. God saves. And so this is an amazing quality and characteristic of all of the scripture and names related in the scriptures. And so I believe the opposite was just a real person. He was probably in the royal court and Luke was writing to him. He said that you may know the certainty of those things which you were instructed. He evidently had become a follower of Jesus and he was in instruction in the way of the Lord. Now this is very important because there is no such thing as a follower of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus who is not by nature a learner. The word Talmud that's the masculine form. Talmudah is the female form. Talmudim, the plural form in Hebrew, is the word for a learner, one who receives instruction. There's no such thing as someone being born again, giving their heart and life to Christ and becoming a follower of Jesus, who is not a constant learner and enrolling in the school of Jesus. We get the idea sometimes by Western American Christianity that a person's saved and that's it. And all we hear are testimonies about I was saved at such and such time back when I was a kid or when I was 18. I remember the place. What has God done for you lately? How has God spoken to you through his word? You say, well, you know, that's not happened. What's the most important thing is I've saved. No, the most important thing is that not only are you saved, but you're walking with God because walking with God is evidence that you really were saved. There's no evidence of salvation. There's no assurance of salvation unless there is obedience to God because the Christian life is a life of obedience. We emphasize grace, but grace teaches us, teaches us obedience. And so this is the whole idea. This Theophilus, uh, the gospel of Luke was written primarily so that it could be used for instruction. And he starts out with the breaking of the 400 silent years when there had been no word from God since the close of the Old Testament canon, 400 years. The word of God was indeed rare in those days. 
And the scripture says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah. Now we say Zacharias, that's fine, either one. The word Zakar is the word to remember in Hebrew. And so Zachariah means God remembers, and indeed he did. He did not forget his promises. I love this. God spoke through Gabriel to a man whose name means God remembers. God does remember. He never forgets. He never forgets his promises. And he had promised the Jewish nation he would send the Messiah. He had promised Abraham he would send the Messiah. He would bless the entire earth through him. And he is about to do that. But he's also going to fulfill his promise that he spoke through Isaiah the prophet that before Messiah comes, he would send an Elijah. That's what the prophet Malachi said. But Isaiah said he would be such a man that he would herald the coming of Messiah. He would make the path straight, that he would be a a forerunner. He would announce the coming of the king, the coming of Messiah. And that is what he did. You can read the prophet Isaiah and see all the passages where the coming of John the Baptist is uh, predicted. Now, it wasn't called John the Baptist, but this forerunner figure. Now, this prophet named Zacharias was of a certain division. Now, this division of which Zechariah, Zechariah, was a member, was a division of the priesthood as they were divided up. All the sons of Aaron were divided up according to the courses of the different months of the year. They were responsible for the maintenance of the tabernacle, the trimming of all the wicks, the refilling of all the oil, the changing of the showbread, all of those kinds of things. They Each one had a different responsibility. And Zechariah, Zechariah, was in the holy place and he was carrying out according to what his duties. He was an older man, and uh, he had been doing this for years. It was his duty, and he was in there, and uh, he was by the altar of incense. It's very specific. He was standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. This angel was when Zechariah saw him. And it says, when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Why? Because there had not been an open word from God for 400 years. But the angel said unto him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll call his name Ionas. That's John in Greek, but it's Jonah in Hebrew, same name, Ionah. And it means dove, pigeon, a dove. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Now, this detailed description of what John is going to be like to his father is the description of a man who is going to be a Nazarite. You can read about this in the Torah, the book of Leviticus. You can read about this Levitical law that was given for those who would be of special service to the Lord. And it also says that he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. This is that mention of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This is right out of the book of Malachi, last chapter. And the disobedient 
to the wisdom of the just or righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The whole reason of John's ministry, John the Baptist, was to prepare the way for Messiah's coming. That was what he was to do. And that was what he did. And he did it with great power and with great anointing. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. They were like Abraham and Sarah. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, Gabriel said, because you've not believed what I've said, here I am, I'm an angel. We're in the very temple of Almighty God, the very place of the presence of God. And you're here, you're a believing priest, and you're a godly man looking for the Messiah. I'm telling you that your wife is going to bear the man who's going to be the forerunner. He's going to be the modern day Elijah preparing the way for the coming of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah and Malachi said. And here you are doubting me. Now, let me just say to you, I have great sympathy with Zechariah. I'm not saying he was right. I'm just saying I have great sympathy with him because here God had not spoken openly. There had not been the appearance of an angel. There had not been the appearance of a prophet for 400 years. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and says, you as an old man and you as your wife as an older woman, you're going to have a son and he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Well, that is kind of a big day. I mean, this is a pretty big day for Zechariah. I don't imagine Zechariah got up that morning and said, you know, today is going to be a day that's going to change the world. My wife that I've been praying for because she's in a terrible way, she's always felt inferior because she has not had a son. She's been grieving, and now she's old. But God, uh, just help me with her and give her grace, give me grace, that we can live together and get through all that you want us to do on this earth. And that day, God shows up and speaks through the angel Gabriel and says, God has heard your prayer. God is going to answer and God's going to give you a son. In your old age, it's going to be a miraculous birth and he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Well, that's a pretty big message. And so (laughs) the scripture says, and the people waited for Zechariah and they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. I would have loved to have seen how he acted that out. I'm not saying he had a holy charade there, but what I am saying is somehow he got the message across that he had seen something and witnessed something supernatural that took his speech away because the people got it. So it was as soon as the days of his service, can you believe this? He was so faithful to God that he didn't even go home after all of this to tell Elizabeth, but he completed his service. Now, friends, that's faithfulness. I love it that he departed to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. In other words, he went home and he put into practice what the angel Gabriel said because there had to be an action of faith and obedience for this child to be conceived. 
And uh, the scripture says she hid herself for five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among people. Now, I can remember the day. I can remember the day. I'm not that old. I'm not Zachariah. I'm not 2,000 years old. But I am old enough to remember the day when the moment that you got pregnant, you didn't start putting it on Facebook. Of course, Facebook wasn't there, but I'm just saying you didn't even go out in the community and tell people. Usually, a woman would hide herself away to make sure that the pregnancy was not going to be ended in a miscarriage or some other thing. She wanted to make sure she was pregnant. She wanted to make sure the child was alive. She wanted to make sure it was healthy enough to go through pregnancy. And many times, a pregnant woman would hide herself away for three to six months. This is amazing. Just that very fact that we've changed, and, and of course there's been a lot of heartache and disappointment because uh, many times uh, pregnancy tests are not what all they're cracked up to be, and there are false readings and people make statements before, when they ought to be quiet. And now we, we have naming parties, we have all this, and I'm not saying anything bad about that, I'm just saying it's a different world. It's a different world in which we're living. But here was Elizabeth. She hid herself away while she wanted to make sure that this was for real and that the child would be born just as God said it was. And so this is what she did. She hid herself away. Then the angel Gabriel went to Mary and told her that she was going to bear the Son of God. And she sang a great song that begins in verse 46. I told you it was a long chapter. This chapter has 80 verses in it. And we won't have time to go into that, but she sang a great song that's recorded in these verses. The scripture says that Mary went to see Elizabeth. And when she did, after the announcement that Gabriel had given to her about the Lord Jesus being in the womb and being planted there, the seed of God himself into this young maiden named Mary, that she arose in those days and went to the hill country of Judea. And she went into the house of Zechariah, of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, John, leaped in her womb. Now think about it. The first, the first announcement of Messiah from Mary to her cousin caused an unborn child to praise God by leaping in the womb. It's amazing. And they stayed there together, and then John the Baptist was born, and Zechariah praised God and was with John the Baptist all the days of his life. And then in chapter 2, which we'll get into on the following day, tomorrow, we will talk about the Lord Jesus, his birth, and all that goes with that. But these are great chapters. I hope you can hang with me. I know I've gone long, but I pray it'll be a blessing to you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.